this is another episode of Rael Talk, a podcast where I explore ideas about movement, mindfulness, and meaningful connection to inspire and elevate your human experience. I'm your host, Britta Rael, and on today's show, I have the privilege and delight of speaking with Kit Rich, who is a celebrated Pilates expert, fitness trainer, and published writer. Kit is well known for her online fitness videos that are genuinely uplifting, positive, and challenging, and equally as well known for her authenticity and creativity. I've been inspired for several years now by Kit's professionalism, her dedication to her craft, and to her personal development. She is a person of high integrity, and her commitment to honesty and evolution and the powerful spiritual presence that she brings to the fitness community is captivating and encouraging. This episode feels very timely considering the current stage of global events surrounding the COVID-19 pandemic. And I'm so grateful Kit was willing to deep dive with me into the personal realm, talking about the creative process, about spirituality, about finding and staying committed to your purpose. Um, We discuss obviously effective training programs and methodologies to help you see results and to feel good about yourselves. But ultimately, this is just a really inspiring and deep conversation, and I hope you get as much from it as I did. So without any further ado, enjoy the episode. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you in advance just for taking the time to, to Of chat. course. Yeah, no worries. Now, yeah. You've been reaching out to me for a while and I feel like you've always been so kind. So I wanted to return the favor. Oh, yeah. When I first discovered you, I don't, I don't remember when it was three, four or five years ago or something. I was really drawn to your presence. Um, you know, workout videos can be really, really bland um, and really <laughs> also overwhelming and annoying. And you mm-hmm. have a very tangible presence that you carry throughout all of those workouts, which. Oh, thank you. That's I feel really like sweet. In, in a roundabout way, I feel like I identify with that as myself. And so I'm attracted to people that have that similar capability and that similar presence. Um, well, of course people, I think people are tend to be in general attracted to things that they find mirror something in themselves. Mm-hmm. I love, by the way, the name it's like, it's so fitting that your name is so close to real. I you know. Just flip the letters. I was like, Oh, yep. that's cl- it's clever. Keeping Very it clever. Rael. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love, I love that. And again, I'll just, I'll just say like when I first connected with you on YouTube and on Instagram, um, there was an immediate sense of like understanding. I felt like you have so much more experience and notoriety and, and, um, exposure, but I felt like there was an an immediate connection between you and I, and that's not something that happens often with trainers and coaches and people who have a very established online presence. Um, And I think that's also something that a lot of trainers are limited by. They're, They're not able to hold that presence. You know, they're really good at what they do, but interpersonally, there's often a limitation. And so I'd love if no, that's interesting. That's yeah. an interesting way of putting it. I think, you know, we can focus a lot as trainers um, on teaching people and guiding them through a workout or an experience. But you you especially bring just something really unique and tangible to the table. And I wanted to ask if you could even speak to that. Like, what is it that you think about yourself 
that you bring <laughs> that kind of not like sets you apart as a trainer, but sets you yeah. apart as, as a person. As a person. So you're basically asking me why I'm so amazing is what you're asking. I'm just kidding. It's a backhanded compliment. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, You know, I think I've been asked this question in different ways quite a bit recently. And I I find it such a compliment that people tend to open with this. and, And I'm starting to realize that this maybe is something I bring to the table, which I wasn't necessarily aware of until recently. Mm. Uh, my training is, first of all, unique to me in the sense that it's the kind of training that I want for my body. Mm-hmm. So because I am not an elite athlete and because I'm not a professional dancer and because I'm not incredibly good at one specific thing, but I have, I have, I am strong, sort of all around strong. I'm good at a lot of little things, like, you know? That's sort of how I approach my routines. And I think a lot of us relate to this. A lot of us aren't experts at one thing in particular, but we're good at a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. And that's my approach to fitness. I also find that it gives me the best results uh, safely. Yeah. Right? So I feel like I maximize my time, maximize my workouts, and I get results. And I feel like it's something that I can do for the rest of my life. It's not so extreme that I can't do it forever. As far as who I am, that interpersonal thing that you were talking about. Uh, that's my commitment to myself and to people that I'm just going to be as honest as possible. And if it looks messy and if it's not perfect, and if I don't look perfect, I'm okay with that because I feel it's an invitation to people to allow them to be the same. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know where in the guidebook or, or in the handbook of becoming a trainer that all of a sudden it was said that you had to look like a supermodel or that you had to be the best of the best of the best and everything had to be the hardest ever and everything is about being ripped and you can't just be strong anymore or fit anymore. You have to be so ridiculously lean that there's not an ounce of fat on your body. And everything. I don't know where this, where this happened, mm-hmm. but I know that not a lot of people relate to that. Um, in, in a time in, in the world where we are so inundated with busyness, we have so much going on, movement and activity is actually really scarce. Maybe not right now in the time of the coronavirus, but movement is pretty scarce. And so doing such extreme things and approaching things in such an extreme way is actually unhealthy. It's going from inactivity to extreme activity, and that's not the way to approach anything. Yeah. right? You're going to burn out. So the, the commitment to myself is just being myself. And for whatever reason, gratefully, that has connected to a lot of people. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you said it yourself, it's relatability. And I think everyone is looking for that. That's, yeah, everyone is looking for that. That's how we are as humans. We're designed to be relating to others and be in relationship to others. So you, you whether know you're that, a trainer or, or not, that's what you're bringing to the table. I can't I think, believe, I can't believe I'm about to bring up reality shows because I don't actually watch, but if you, have you seen love is blind? I have not. Okay. This is like totally going to make people probably love or hate me, but uh, I saw this, this, this reality show love is blind. And the whole premise is that these people fall in love with each other without ever seeing each other. And I think the reason that this is 
people are so attracted to this, I think might be the same thing that you're talking about with relatability is I don't think people understand how much they're searching to feel connected with something so much deeper than what they see, than what they see. So even in like in fitness, people, people immediately look with their eyes, but they're looking to really connect and feel from their heart and to feel from that place that, that, that interconnectedness, that, that, that intangible quality that actually connects us all. And, that, and I think that is what possibly I help with in the fitness industry. Yeah, definitely. It seems like, especially in this time when things are feeling so hectic, which is just generally in society, things are hectic. There's a sense of urgency and busyness and extremity. But right now with this coronavirus and this global pandemic, like I'm finding that the the smallness and that interconnectedness of community through your workout videos or through friends that get together and have conversations online and hangout chats, you know, that that makes community and that makes the connection feel so much more pronounced because it's like, yeah, it's, it's like so a, a, a very small package of um, truth and of connection that's so potent, you know, that lasts and extends within this crazy, chaotic, seemingly dark <laughs> world. You know, it's really how you look at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, you know, we cannot deny what's happening in the world. It's extremely scary. Uh, so many people are losing their jobs. It's really highlighting all senses of safety have kind of been taken out, been removed for most people because, I mean, statistically, a lot of people don't have savings. Uh, so they're living paycheck to paycheck. And so suddenly when that's taken away, that's a very scary thing. Mm-hmm. Now you also don't have your, your technical community. A lot of people live alone. Wow. They're removed from their families. Some people are not happy with our leadership. So it depends on how you, so on all levels, you could feel like if you, if you look at the stock market, even which the fluctuation on all levels, sort of security and safety is being questioned. Uh, I think in general, what you're talking about is so true that 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 sense of community is even more powerful, that interconnectedness is even more powerful. But I think that this is an invitation. Uh, I think it's an invitation to go deeper and to expedite the spiritual process. So I think things that are no longer serving you anymore, or I think things that maybe you've been ignoring about yourself are going to be highlighted at this point in time. And it's an invitation. You either choose to just keep, you know, doing the rigmarole of focusing on it and going crazy, or you look at it, take a breath and observe it and maybe have a perspective around it that you're not attached to whatever's happening, that you are greater than this and that there is an answer and a solution and and an evolution taking place. And don't get me wrong. I, I, like I said, I'm not discrediting all of the things that are happening in the world right now, but I do believe constantly that there is a spiritual invitation for every moment and it's what you choose to do with it. So, uh, I think this is just a really, really interesting time. I'm telling you right now that I've been meditating quite a bit and working out and trying to, to maintain that sense of community as well, but also knowing when to turn that freaking phone off, man, because 
because here's the thing now that um, people I think are struggling with is because they, they feel this like lack of like, oh my God, connection. They're on the phone like 24 seven. Trying then, to connect. Connect, connect, <laughs> connect. And I feel that that's actually the opposite of what you should be doing, that you should be creating structure even around the phone. So treating it like a job. So, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to be on my phone from 9 to 3 p.m. or 9 to 6, whatever your job requires, job, whatever you're doing at the moment. Then you put it away and you go internal and you check in with yourself because technology right now is saving us, but can, it can also really, really hurt that spiritual reflection. Yeah. So it's really important. Yeah. Yeah. That was a really long tangent, but anyway. It's, it's <laughs> great. I feel like you have um, tapped into all of my questions simultaneously and I'm, no so, way. I'm so excited. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so before, before I continue that tangent, I want to ask you, I mean, you obviously have just spoken about very deep and wonderful spiritual aspects of life, about the innate need that we have to go inward and to look for some of those answers um, and solutions and, and regulations for all of the stuff that we deal with. Great words. From an inward place, not from yeah. an external place. And I think people that I work with, um, clients, friends, students, are often seeking that from experiences in a yoga class or a fitness class. You know, they're, they're, they're trying to continue to seek that inward sense of stability and presence by connecting to something else. So, oh, interesting. Right. And, and yeah. maybe, maybe especially in a yoga class, perhaps where it's a little bit more oriented towards a spiritual direction or there's right. maybe a, a, a different framework than a fitness class. Um, people are able to connect to that more easily than they would just in their home on their own. Cause there's not a sense of awareness perhaps. So my question for you is um, how do you, kind of bridge that gap because I feel like you bring that presence and that spirituality and that connectedness to even the simplest and most fun basic exercise program but it still allows people to connect deeply with their sense of self and and a second question that's a tangent is what are the other levels of spiritual practice that you incorporate you know daily you were just mentioning meditation mm. um, how do those things seep into your day-to-day -day life so that it keeps you connected and, and so that it infuses into everything else that you do? Uh, the, to answer the first thing, that has been my intention from day one, that if I was going to be in the fitness industry, um, I was going to come at it my way, which is it was always going to be about connecting people to themselves, that it had to be a mission on my part, that it had to be about giving rather than receiving. And obviously I end up receiving greatly by giving, but it had to be about them and not about me. I mean, you'll even notice even the way I dress usually is not as show, showy as other trainers. And that's on purpose because I have done videos where the trainers look out of this world and they're in these tiny outfits and don't get me wrong, I kudos but it pulls me away from me. I'm just looking with my eyes and I'm not feeling something intuitively, internally. So yeah, so the way I connect with that is just 
throughout my workouts is I think that when you set an intention for yourself, I think it just continues through. And because I have such a strong discipline in my training, I've been doing it for so long, I think it's just now like embedded in my DNA as far as it's what, it, it's what you feel when I'm training. I think it's something greater than me, to be honest. Mm -hmm. But uh, as far as my practices, meditation is huge for me uh, because what meditation is, is it's just a, it's just a, it's an, it's a practice of being present. That's all it is. So people are really turned off by meditation because they don't know how to do it. They don't know how to turn off their brains. And my, my philosophy is if it seems really hard and you're afraid of it and you hate it, it's probably the thing you should be doing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, and there's so many different types of meditation. So I feel like you can find your jam and you also only have to do it for five minutes a day. It doesn't have to be crazy. It's as simple as focusing on your breath because that awareness of just your breath suddenly brings you back to where you are and you go, wow, I didn't even realize I was breathing today. You know, yeah. lately I'm still allowed to go outside. I know a lot of people listening to this may not be able to go outside right now. And I do not take the fact that I'm able to still go outside. I do not take that for granted. I walk around my neighborhood every day for 30 minutes mm -hmm. and I do not take my cell phone with me. And what I've been doing is I've been paying extra special attention to the things around me. I've noticed plants that I didn't see before. I've noticed people in my neighborhood that I didn't know existed. You know, I can actually sometimes feel my feet on the ground more. These are all practices of meditation, yeah. you know? So there's that. I also try to stay really hydrated. I drink a lot of water and I drink, I'm not gonna lie, I drink a lot of coffee too. Like, let's be real. I drink a lot of coffee. It brings me joy. Hence and your enormous head size <laughs> coffee mug. Yes. You know, it says love you to the moon and back. But this one's really cheesy. I've got ones that are really funny. Like, I don't know why I pulled out this one. This makes me look really cheesy. And then uh, other, other things that I do, I have to say that I personally have really disciplined myself over the years with uh, therapy. And the way I've gone about it is I've really not given up on myself and taken a hard look at the stuff that, I, that is really ugly about me. And the dark stuff and the reason that I do the things I do and where it came from, you know, past traumas. I've worked really, really hard on that. And because I did not shy away from it and because I went to the depths of it and moved through it and figured out how to have a non-attachment to it, I was able to grow from it. And I think that is where the lightness comes. And I think that's where the connection with people come from. Cause they, cause I think intuitively what people can pick up on is that I'm someone that's been through the trenches and that I'm coming out the other side. That's not to say that my life is perfect, but I'm someone that is really committed to, uh, to spirituality and to evolution. So yeah. Yeah. Very long answers for you, but you know, what do we do? We got time. We got time. That's it. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you and I'll just ask this straight out how do you ante yourself up when you notice yourself getting stuck um and maybe I'll maybe I'll That's use an example an example would be I feel like even right now I'm in a place where I'm a little bit stuck right where I'm I'm at a certain um 
level where I'm either being invited to consciously or subconsciously up level. Um, and for me, it's sometimes, maybe for most people, it's sometimes difficult to discern where to push and where to pause and, and really what to go through in order to ante yourself up. So with that level of self-awareness that you have and that you have practiced, um, how do you, how do you do that? Like in places where you've been before? I don't think there's anything wrong with being in limbo. Mm -hmm. I think limbo is necessary. There has to be the cocoon phase, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, it's part of nature. You can't always be pushing for things and you can't always just be coasting. There are times where everything's going to fall apart and there are times where you go into limbo and nothing is moving. Mm -hmm. The, if you know, if you, look at nature, it's part of nature. So why would you be any different to the phases of nature? And if you're freaking out about the limbo phase, it's because you're not in the present, period. You're, so, you're focused on an outcome. You're focused on a future that does not exist. You're actually pulling yourself out from what's happening at the moment, which is technically if you're in a limbo phase, everything's okay right? Totally. If you're, you're healthy, like everything's okay. You're just not being a driver at the moment. Mm -hmm. But there's a time and place for everything. I have had major limbo phases in my life and it's, it's incredibly uncomfortable. But what the, what, I don't want to say universe because I feel that turns people away when I say universe. I just say whatever you believe in, energy, universe, God, yourself, whatever you believe in. Yeah. Know that if you're in limbo, it's because something is waiting, something is trying to birth inside of you to come out, mm -hmm. right? It's, 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 it's ripening. It's just not ready yet. And I mean, think about it like a relationship. It, wouldn't you be super uncomfortable if you met your husband and got married like a week later? And then you realize all of the things yeah, you didn't know. You gotta, you gotta freaking date. You know, you gotta, you gotta be in the limbo phase. You can't push, push, push. First, he'll probably leave, and then second. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's all part of it. But I have, I can't. You know, people don't often ask me about my limbo phases. But when my dad was sick, um, about two. So my dad passed away about two years ago from cancer. Mm, I'm sorry. And it was one of the. Oh, thank you. It was one of the hardest times in my life. It was really nasty. It was a horrible thing. It was not a good situation. I was in total limbo. Nothing was happening for me. And to the, maybe to you guys, it looked like things were moving. But actually for me, nothing was happening. Mm -hmm. I was just completely stuck. And it was really hard because I was also going through that with the death of a parent. And if anybody's experienced anything like that, it is not fun. Cancer is a, can I swear on this? Fuck yeah. Okay, cancer's a fucking bitch. And, <laughs> and what it does to the families and what it does to the person. And I don't wish that upon my worst enemy. I don't even have an, a worst enemy, I think. But anyway, so my point is this long winded answer is chill out. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. And, and that, you'll figure it out. That is, you know, 
thank you for that wisdom for me personally. And I think globally, that is the message right now. Everything's so extreme. So do the yeah, it's, a, it's What if this is out. an invitation? What if this is an invitation to not want more? Mm -hmm. To think less is more to simplify your life, to really focus in on what your, what your purpose is, why you're here, and can you make the best of the situation? Because when we come out of this, which we will, we absolutely will, are you gonna be that person that's super embarrassed about how you behave throughout this whole process? Right. Or are you gonna be the person that goes, you know what, I'm proud of who I was in that. I did the best I could with that. And I feel like I'm, I'm better for it. Right. Right. Absolutely. I want to say too, that I also lost a parent to the when? cancer. Um, my mom passed away when I was 18. Um, oh my God. From a variety of kind of colon liver cancers. And I'm so sorry. It, yeah. Oh, you're going to make me tear up. That's and it I'm was, so sorry. Yeah, it was a horrible experience and a, and a really intense time to lose one of my dearest and most treasured beings. Um, but her passing specifically was what allowed me to have more insight and kind of inspire my journey into health and into activity and into yoga. Um, you know, she is the reason why I switched to eating all organic food and pursuing understanding about agriculture and ecology and um so anyway i, I think isn't death isn't death the strangest thing it's the strangest thing and it's also a portal you know it's a portal yeah. that every single being goes through at some point whether you're willing or not willing but it's a portal. i know and so there's a lot to be said for how we experience and how we embrace death and how we can relate to it and understand and learn from it. I think, I think it really depends on how you look at life, right? So if you're someone that believes that when you die, you just die and that nothing happens, yeah. I can understand feeling a, a heightened sense of, um, of anxiety, feeling that you really have to do a lot in this life. Or you go the opposite direction. You're like, screw it. Fuck it. I don't have to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> None of it matters. Right. But if you're like myself who believes that, you don't ever, you're, you don't ever really die. Your soul lives on. The anxiety should be less because especially during phases of limbo, because you can take a breath and know that this is all just part of the journey in this, in this, in this time. I'm curious to know what you come up with though, when you come out of your hibernation, curious. Yeah, I will definitely keep you posted and let you know. There's there's a lot there's a lot percolating and there's also a lot of accepting that percolation is exactly what needs to be happening right now. Yeah, hell yeah. 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 I mean, it's I'm so curious what you decide to do. I think people also need to stop thinking that whatever they do it has to be big, like huge, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's the that's the thing I think that stops people from doing a lot of stuff is they go, well, if I do it, it has to really, it has to be big. It has to have so many social media followers and it has to have make so much money. Otherwise, it's not worth it. And I think it's, that that's also what this is about. You have to like really just do it for you. Yeah. And not really care about 
how much of an impact it makes on on the grand scale. If it impacts a few people, great, but it yeah. should just feel really good to you. Yeah. Thank you for that. Now, you and I, I think, share some other things in common, which are pretty exciting. You are a writer, a play writer specifically, right? You yeah. Enjoy writing yeah. plays. And, and that's like a creativity aspect that I find is really, really exciting. And I would love to hear more about, even in line with what we were just talking about, you at this point in your, in your career or your per- professional growth, you know, have a lot of notoriety and have a lot of um, expectation or I guess impact. And does that ever, does that like hustle or the sense of like doing ever impede or how does it interact with your just creativity and the other practices that you enjoy like writing? Um, What's the interplay there? Writing for me is like, you know, how you mentioned that portal like with death, it's like that portal into yeah. something. That's what a writing is for me. Yeah. Writing for me is that expansion. And I find it really challenging. And when I get into that flow, it's the best feeling I've ever had. Mm. Right. And so it, it's, it kind of serves me on so many levels. And because it's so different than fitness, I find that the that the, the shift away from fitness and focusing on writing makes me feel more well-rounded and it taps because I feel like creativity is this, is this large source, right? Like you, you're not just saying, Oh, I'm just a creative writer and Oh, I'm just a creative chef. Creativity is creativity, right? Definitely. So when I'm writing and I'm being extremely creative and I've gotten into a flow, I find that that serves me creatively with fitness too. So it adds fuel. Yeah. But it's a, but also like similar to fitness and similar to writing, you have to have a discipline mm-hmm. uh, that Michael Beckwith calls discipline. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cause it should, there's a, there's a flow that actually ends up feeling really good, but there's a, a discipline that, you have to have to be able to get into that creative flow without that active discipline. You can't be a passive, you can't be passive with your life. Like you can't just work out on occasion. You can't just write on occasion. I mean, you could, unless you're trying to actually accomplish something, but you have to be an active participant of your life and your goals. And I feel the discipline with writing helps me to be disciplined with fitness and vice versa. But playwriting's my, like, I'm like such a geek when it comes to plays and playwriting and I I love it so so much it's so interesting and and really cool like how did how did that start for you were you um my okay so when I was young my mom was a writer first of all Uh, she doesn't she now writes for fun but she was also an editor at a big publishing house before I was born okay she really wanted me to read when I was little and I wasn't into it I was very active and I just wanted to jump around and do weird stuff and she was like, please just read something, even magazine, something. And finally she, I, she handed me a play because she thought, well, maybe this is enough like talking dialogue that you might be interested. She handed me a play and I ended up reading it, you know, front to back in an hour. And I felt incredibly accomplished because plays are only two hours, right? Or less. And when you're reading it, it goes by that much faster. Yeah. It's just dialogue. And I felt so accomplished. So imagine like a teenager a preteen 
feeling super accomplished and also connecting in with these characters and seeing this imaginary world. My mom was elated that I actually really enjoyed it. And the next thing I knew, she's handing me play after play after play. And I'm just <laughs> reading plays constantly because I just really connected to it. And the next thing I knew when I was in college, I became a theater major uh, and my professor, uh, Professor Novak, shout out to Professor Novak, told me that he thought I really had this particular skill of being able to navigate plays and understand what the writer's intentions were and that I had a real knack for this. And it really built my confidence up to then start writing them. And then I found that dialogue just took me into this world and the next thing I knew I was writing plays. So there you go. But yeah, it all started with my mom just wanting me to read. She must have had a lot of discernment to know that that was going to be good for you. <laughs> well, my mom hates working out more than life itself. Like she, she does not understand where I come from. She's just, she's like, I would rather, like she watches my fitness videos, but she drinks coffee just watching them. But no, she's incredibly intelligent. She's a brilliant woman. She's an unbelievable writer and an incredible editor. And uh, I have to admit too, that I think a big reason why I love to write is it connects me to my mother. Yeah. So it's something we have in common and we can discuss and have a strong dialogue around. And she's also my, my, my biggest critic with my writing. So she'll say, Oh crap, Kit, that was crap. Mm. Or she'll say like, Oh, this, this I liked, or this, I see where you're going. You're not quite there though. Mm. So I, I love that honest dialogue with her. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Does, does having experience or, or a background as a writer, especially in the play setting where you have dialogue and you have, a setting and you have a little bit of a different way to tell a story, does that help you or influence or has it influenced how you create the content that you create in the fitness world, like in your classes? Maybe, you know, I've never thought about that, but maybe I wouldn't be surprised. I, I, I try not to get too heady about it. Yeah. What I just try to do is with my routines when I'm, when I'm structuring them, there's definitely a flow that I go into. I start to see the moves and I start to feel like how one bleeds into the other, but there's obviously a science behind it too. I have enough experience sure. to know, okay, when do, when is this safe? Does this make sense? Does this give maximum benefit? When do I break? Things like that. But there's definitely a creative flow that takes place. I also have learned with my fitness routines to not, when, when things start to come to me, because they often just come to me, to write it down right away so Me that too. I don't lose it. And that's a, that's a trick that I learned with writing. You'll get, you'll get downloads and don't take that for granted. Like stop, put it in your notes, write it down because it will go somewhere. It, it's almost like it doesn't belong to you. Exactly. <laughs> it's just floating up here and it's like, and you've just happened to catch it. So if you catch it, like put it in your pocket. Yep. Don't just be like, yay. And like yeah. let it go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but so. I think there is something to say. I mean, especially for the, the platform that you have, um, a lot of your videos on YouTube, you know, that so many people are seeing, there's an element of a, a performance there. Not to say that you're, you're performing as a trainer. I get what you mean. But I get right, what you mean. They, yeah. like, even for me as a yoga teacher, there's such a difference when I go to teach a group class or or especially teach, you know, at a festival setting, there's a certain sense of performance. I'm definitely here to teach and I'm definitely here to support, but I'm, I'm 
conducting in a certain way. And so I'd imagine that your ability to see and to weave characters and storylines and dialogues and just to have that personality as that, that creative writer definitely influences what you do in yeah. the gym. And, sure. I, and I definitely want to talk about programming because I'm a total nerd um, when it comes to <laughs> systems and, you know, physical training and all of that stuff. And I'm a nerd when it comes to people and how they respond and the interpersonal dynamics that go into place for, for group experiences. So I'm curious as to your approach to programming, especially the classes that you teach online or that are, you know, able to be viewed hundreds and hundreds of millions of times by people given your background, you know, through Pilates and yoga and also fitness training and all of your different skills, like how do you, how do you approach developing the content that you do share? I have a, I have a very interactive relationship with the community that does my videos. So I ha I ask a lot of questions. I don't assume anything. So uh, first and foremost, when, when you're, it's one thing if I'm training a private client that I just, I create formatting. Yeah, we're talking those are, about, we're talking totally about a large, different. we're talking about a large scale. Um, I have learned over time that people, when they have to work out at home, it's usually because they're limited on time. And that means that they want to really feel, they want to feel that their time has been utilized widely, wisely and that they're feeling something that they would get at a gym or with a private client. So with that in mind, I try to always make sure that their, their heart rate's getting up, that there's also focus work. So on a specific targeted muscle, whatever my theme is for that day, mm -hmm. uh, but that I'm cueing enough. And people, by the way, I see comments where people are like, you talk too much. And I say, whatever, you know, because here's the thing. It, you are working out with me through a screen. I'm not with you in person. So if I'm not talking to you and cueing you, you're, you might be doing it wrong. And or it's my job. you're not doing something. <laughs> yeah. Or it's my job as a trainer to train you as safely as possible. I take that, I take that seriously and it's a big responsibility. And so when you have just people like flailing around on camera and they're not cueing you, people can really get hurt. So, so I cue a lot. I get the heart rates up and I target specific muscles safely. So that's always what I keep in mind when I'm, pro when I'm thinking about a program. And then I also keep in mind that routines can get really, really boring. So I try to give as much variety as possible. Yeah. I think that's the short answer of it. Yeah, I mean, we could go into a lot yeah. more technicality of, of yeah. fitness programming, but do you, so, you know, you have a lot of different channels, let's say, through which you provide content. So is, yeah. there, is there kind of like an overarching um, skeletal structure of, okay, we need to do this many types of leg intensive workouts or, you know, specific muscle groups or, or when you say you're theming something, do you have any type of structure that you rely on to to theme or is it just like what's what's relevant to you at that time well for instance like okay so this series that i'm doing right now the stay home stay healthy series yeah that's an everyday series and so there's definitely more structure as far as okay i don't want to overuse your muscles if i do the same thing every day 
that actually can cause damage to the joints, right? So if I'm just doing legs every single day, it's not giving your muscles time to rest and repair. So I don't know if you've been noticing, but I'm structuring it where one day I'll be doing emphasis on cardio and legs and the other days on upper body and cardio. And then I take it down a notch where it's more just fusion, where it's, Mm -hmm. I'm working every muscle, but it's not overuse of any one muscle and it's, it's less impact on the joints too. And then, and then I do rest and recovery. So it's mainly stretching and it gives your body that time to rest and repair, which as you know, can actually create uh, more benefit to the body. People, people do not understand how important rest and recovery is. This is why yoga is so popular. So we need more rest and recovery sometimes than the, uh, than the crazy workouts, right? So the right type. Yeah. The right type. So there's structure to that, but as far as the like the one-off videos go, I would answer saying those are more what's relevant to me, what I feel would be really fun, yeah, and uh, what I feel is something unique and different that I haven't brought to the table yet. Just yeah. variety, but yeah. an all-around great workout. Of course, and I think that's yeah. so that's so important to have for for other teachers and trainers. I think it's important to have some type of reliable structure, or at least your ability to see the structure that you're bringing if you're doing online courses or you're teaching weekly classes, A, so that you're ensuring your students are getting a balanced approach to their regimen and, right. that, and that they're able to actually learn. Because I find that in the yoga field specifically, it's so much a performance. It's so much like every class is a vinyasa and it's this really complex sequence of poses and more challenging things and I don't I mean I'm able to do that because of my level of strength and comfort in my body and awareness and everything but for the general person to go to a really random class every day can be um, not very supportive overall to their comprehension and retention of those practices. So I think there is value to having a system and a program in place in addition to bringing, you know, the variety and kind of the one-offs or like crowdsourcing, Hey, what do you guys want to do right now? Let me shoot a video. And I think that's a really cool balance. You bring up a really good point. I think what you're, what you're saying without like really saying it is most trainers fall prey to, I have to be the hardest person in the room, like the hardest trainer, or else I won't get the following that I need. And that is really true. Most people are just like, I'm just going to be so hard and people are going to love it because it's hard. Yeah. I think it's actually more dangerous to be that trainer. First of all, you're uh, asking a lot of yourself <laughs> to always come up with the hardest routine. Yeah. But also I just don't think you're being honest with yourself. I think if you're always being really hard, it's probably because you have a sense of uh, you're really insecure. You feel the need to be the best because maybe you don't feel like you're the best. And so you're trying to prove something to people. You're trying to prove something to yourself. You're trying to prove something to people seeing saying like, see, see, I'm so good. See, see, see. Versus honoring the, your skill and knowing that even if the thing that you're providing is not the hardest routine ever, <laughs> that it really provides value to people and that 
it's has, you have so much to give by just being you and providing your expertise yeah. and it's enough. And, uh, mo so I would just say you, you as a yogi saying, you know, I'm not always doing the hardest thing, but I feel that I'm creating variety and I'm, I'm doing it a smart way. And I'm, and I'm giving people what I feel will really help them in their future yoga practices, I feel is really, really valuable. Yeah. I want to ask you why, why was it that Pilates is like what you were drawn to? And like, like, I feel like Pilates is in my mind, the unsung hero of the moment, you know, it's like, it never, I feel like it never really gets the celebration or the attention that it deserves in mainstream fitness. Yeah. Um, and it's so beneficial. It's so hard. Speaking of hard, when you do it well, yeah. And right. And, and so what is it like, why is, why is it so good? Um, can you shed some light on that? And like, what, what drew yeah. you to it? And, and talk a little bit about Pilates. I know. Pilates, I love that you call Pilates the unsung hero. I think that's awesome. First Every all, time I, I do it, I'm like, oh God, oh. I want, I need more of this, like rehabilitatively and strength wise. It's, it's amazing. Well, I think a lot of people are not drawn to Pilates, first of all, because most of us are not really connected to our bodies. People just want the hard and that's a way for them to feel when maybe yes. they haven't been working their bodies at all. And to them, when they do Pilates, they're like, geez, this is really confusing and it takes so much concentration. And it's not as, I don't feel this like crazy hard that I, that I'm just, I'm to relieve my stress, you know? Yeah. And I think that that's, uh, but that's not what pol the point of Pilates is. The point of Pilates is to focus on, first of all, uh, the powerhouse, which are all these muscles that support the spine, the hips, and all these things that actually will help with longevity of health and movement and your life. And, and so it it's on breath work, strength, coordination, stability, um, all of it. And so uh, it's very intricate. I think a lot of people aren't into Pilates because it's also a very expensive practice, let's be real. Mm -hmm. It's expensive, and the most benefit you often get is when you work on the machines. And to really get the maximum work, you would have a one-on-one, -on -one and that's, that's expensive. Yeah. So I don't discredit that. I understand that that's a, real, that's a real problem that Pilates faces as far as getting out to the masses and having so many people connect with it on a grand scale. You, yeah. you can have anybody doing jump squats anywhere in the world, but yeah. you can't have people on the Cadillac which is a Pilates machine uh, all together doing leg circles with the springs, you know? So that's, that's an issue, but Pilates is the most beneficial thing for your body. There is nothing, no other modality I feel. And with all respect to yoga, I love yoga, but I feel the best when I do Pilates. Yeah. It connects me to my center. It makes me feel so invigorated. It does stretch me out. Absolutely. So I feel more flexibility in the areas that I feel really tight in. I have never done Pilates and gone, man, I just really regret doing that. You know, <laughs> that was a terrible idea. <laughs> terrible idea. I hated that I did that. There have been many yoga classes where I'm just very distracted because the movements are so slow 
if it's not a vinyasa class and I am maybe in a certain headspace and I can't really get out of it. Whereas with Pilates, the tempo is just faster. And because you're working your core, it for, and there's so much coordination, it forces you to connect in and you're automatically present. And so it crea- creates like a different kind of meditation. Mm. It's not going, you know, think about life and intention and that. It's going, no, focus on your core and breathe. And that alone immediately gets you into this present place and you feel different. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a great way to describe it. It's, it's through the practice itself that you're able to access more connection, more yeah. integration yeah. that might, that might then segue into the deeper philosophical ramblings that one might get in a yoga class, but you're actually embodying it in the moment. Yeah. But let's also not discredit too, that Pilates has a lot of rolling on the spine. There's a lot of inversions. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, core movement. So all of these things help to de-stress the body, uh, create increased blood flow and circulation and increased dopamine and endorphins. So all of these things are proven to actually make you feel better while you so while you're doing it. So there's the science behind it and there's also a spiritual component. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, it's a powerhouse. Yeah. (laughs) Powerhouse practice. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We talked earlier about being in that limbo state have there been moments in your career as a trainer and as a, as a very professional person, like I consider you one of the trainers that holds the most like air of professionalism. Oh, that's really um, kind of you to say. Thank you. Were there, have there been moments or any one specific moment where you have questioned your desire to continue doing what you're doing or have you had a moment where you've, broke down and like wanted to quit and how did you push through that because you obviously haven't quit (laughs) (laughs) I mean that could be anything physically financially mentally spiritually anything but of course I've wanted to quit yeah I would be completely lying and inauthentic if I said that I didn't want to quit yeah I struggle, you know, I've been in this industry now since I I believe I was 23 years old and I'll be 37 on April 4th. It's a long time to be doing something. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I don't think that anybody has to commit to doing one career for the rest of their lives. I think that's just totally misleading. I think people should explore Mm -hmm. as much as they can. This industry in particular is very, very superficial. And also really, um, what's the word? Saturated. Mm -hmm. So you have someone like myself who really doesn't give a flying crap about how somebody looks. (laughs) 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 And, uh, And now I'm in an industry where everything is about creating physical results, right? So... I, the, the amount of times that I've wanted to quit were in direct relationship to my feelings about myself and my own feelings about my own body and comparison and contrast to other trainers who looked better mm. that seemingly were more successful simply because they looked like a model mm. and getting really bogged down by that and just really getting tired of that. And 
also feeling that I had so much more to give with myself that had nothing to do with the body and how do I translate that information? And so mm. can I switch gears and do something else that allows me to give in different ways, right? So yes, the answer is I definitely wanted to quit. What has kept me coming back and kept me in the industry is as I have evolved and as I've become a better version of myself, the things that made me want to quit before, uh, those things started to fall away. I started to not care about how other people looked. Yeah. I started to not compare and contrast. I started to honor my own beauty and honor my unique imprint on the world. And understand that while I'm in the fitness industry, maybe there's ways for me to tap into the other creative sides of me, even in this industry, that, and I can provide this. And as I started to trust myself more as an individual, as Kit, as a person, right? That trust started to be there too in my work. This trust that I could become more authentic and I could provide different things and I could explore more and I didn't have to quit. I could just expand, mm -hmm. right? And, and trust that the community that I'm creating would grow with me and evolve with me. And the people that were haters and the people that said horrible things would still be there if they chose to be there because that's on them. But for the most part, I think they'd fall away. And the positive and the, and the community that I was creating would grow. To be honest, I still don't know where I'm headed with this. I have an idea, like, but I could be, but that could, that could not come to fruition, mm -hmm. right? I have an idea, but I'm in the space of the spiritual evolution of this. Yeah. When you start something in life, things, you, you start out as like a victim, right? So like things are happening to you. <laughs> Everything sucks. Why does my life happen like this? But then you start to go, okay, now I have to start to, I have to start take ownership over my life. I can no longer be the victim. So now I take ownership. So now I'm going to acknowledge those things that I'm part of the story that I created it. And I'm going to charge try to create more action. There's like, then you get to the place of, now I trust me and I trust that I have something within myself that is so much bigger than I am, that is so much greater than anything I could have ever imagined. And my job is to show up and trust that you've cultivated over time enough that what you're becoming will transpire, transpire as long as you have a discipline and, and you keep showing up. So things come through you as you, right? So, so, that's, so that's where I'm at right now in my work and in my, and in my life that I am, I am committed to not quitting. I'm committed to the discipline of being here and growing and trusting that as I grow, so will the things I create and provide and so will the community. Yeah. Beautiful wisdom. Yeah. So through, through you as you, through you as you.
I didn't make that up. I can't take credit for that. I'd be, you know, uh, my therapist has been teaching me that for years. I've learned that practice too through other spiritual guide uh, guys like um, teachers like Michael Beckwith or let's see Wayne Dyer or mm -hmm. these are all things that over time when you read these things you start to see the commonality and the through lines between what they're all saying and you start to realize that you go through a process in your work in your personal life all of it you start out as the victim and yep. if you decide to show up for yourself you stop becoming the victim then you start to become the creator yeah. and you really push for things and then you stop pushing for things so much. Then you start to let things happen through you as you. Yeah. So, yeah. So what's coming up in the future? What are you working on? Like what's lighting a fire inside you right now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, who knows? I know. I do know. Uh, I, I'm going to start to, I have a, a bunch of more videos that I just filmed. So I'm going to provide those to the community. Uh, I want to figure out how I can create a better platform for people to, to, to get my videos. I'd love to get other trainers on Kitchko. You know, I'm not going to lie. I'm like, sometimes I get so sick of myself, you know, I'm like, <laughs> man, I'm so tired of seeing myself, you know, and hearing myself. I would love to get some other trainers on Kitchko. And I don't, and I think that that's a completely doable thing. Not while we're all like quarantined and with the coronavirus, but yeah. eventually, eventually I would love to see other trainers on Kitchko. There's so many beautiful trainers out there that have so much to offer. Mm -hmm. I would love to expand the Kitchko brand. So I'll leave it at that. I have some ideas for that. And I'd like to public, I'd like to get a play out there into the world creatively. So there's that. And then. I mean, that's a you know, lot got, already right there. Yeah, <laughs> I've, got, I've got opportunities from companies and stuff like that, but we'll see if any of those come true. I get, I've had so many rejections in my life and so many yeses, and then I've said no to a lot of things as well, just because they're not in alignment with who I am. And Yes. So, um, so important. Yeah, I, can't, I can't even tell you how many no's I've, I've had that have been, so I've gotten a lot of no's, like a lot of rejection, and also I've said no a lot. So the yeses are actually way smaller, but they count more. So it's all good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, what's um, the, what do you think is on the docket for you? What are you going to work on? For me, um, you know, establishing, establishing myself up here in Seattle is a big priority, not only to provide a sense of connection um, and to provide the service that I think I have a lot of skill in providing, which is yoga and movement and a, a depth of being for people. Um, but even outside of that, I feel like I'm, I'm too trying to establish like how are all of the fingers or the branches of who I am and what I, what I have to offer, how are those all related and, and is there a way or is there not a way for those things to be offered publicly you know is there a way that okay. like for me writing is is a big part but for me it's more music so oh nice music writing and creation and, and singing and 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 writing music is a big part of who i am and that's something that i love to share with other people um and so there's a lot of these these aspects of my life um 
that I'm trying to understand and, and weave together and figure out what's the, what's the best. And are, are some of those reserved just for me? Um, yeah. Or are some of those relevant and, and possible to share and, and how? So I'm just trying I to- I love that. Yeah. My, invitate, my, my ask for you is, and I would say to your community as well, listening to this, whatever you're choosing to do, do it for you. Understand that, you know, you're going to create something that you can give to people, but whatever you do, try to get out of that space that says, if I do it, it has to, it has to make me money. It has to be big. Just let that all go. Yeah. Just it. I don't think that, and just trust that, that if it's, if it's right for you, it will make you money and it will grow but it has to come from the right place. Thank you. I'll take <laughs> that pleasure. to heart. I'll take that to heart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this has been really sweet to connect with you and especially, you know, in light of everything that's going on, I appreciate you being willing to speak so openly and, and truthfully. And, and that's, that's just something to say about who you are as a person. And I can see that. And I really enjoyed getting a little time with you. Oh, I'm grateful. <laughs> I feel so selfish. Time. I get to like have this hour of just time with you. <laughs> <laughs> it was my pleasure. I'm glad we did this. Thank you yeah. for having me. Thanks so much for listening. If you can, please rate, subscribe, or leave me a review on iTunes. Your support is so much appreciated. All of my music has been graciously provided by my friend DJ Jesse Blake. You can find him at jessieblakemusic.com. And be sure to follow me online at Britta Rael. Or for upcoming events and classes, check out my website, brittarael.com. That's B-R-I-T-T-A-R-A-E-L.com.